Hey everybody, welcome back to Autocorrect with Mr. B. I'm Mr. B, your host of the podcast. Welcome to episode five of my podcast. And man, let me tell you, I'm sorry for uh, being so lack lately on getting another podcast out, being that this is the fifth episode and the last time I recorded was middle of December. So I've been extremely busy with a lot of things work-related and business-related with my YouTube channel. And of course, you had the holidays, you had Christmas, you had New Year's, you had everything in there, gift shopping, all that stuff. I've got some family issues going on. Nothing bad, of course, but just dealing with family and stuff takes some time. And so now I'm back. This is the first week that I'm back at my day job, which is automotive instructor at Augusta Technical College. And so back today and had a lot of business to take care of as well. Also, I have been studying for about the past month to take the ASC L3 Advanced Hybrid Diagnostic Test, which is by far, by far, the most difficult ASC certification test to take. It has a fail rate of about 80%, and it is a monster. (laughs) So I have been studying frantically for this test, and I go to take it tomorrow. So if you want to know the results of that test, tune in sometime to the Car Smarts from Mr. B Facebook page. I'll be posting my breakdown of taking the test as a professional technician and as an instructor. And I'm going to tell you guys how to study for the test after you take it. So going on into this year, I've got some big goals set for my YouTube channel. And I also have some pretty good goals set for my podcast. And of course, all this is going to count on you guys, my listeners. So we are going to be moving forward with a couple of things. Uh, First of all, I'm going to hopefully by next podcast or maybe the one after that, I'm going to have interviews. And it's a little technically difficult, and honestly, it takes a good amount of money to get set up for these interviews. So no big deal. We're going to go and you know make some investments in some equipment to get the sound sounding better. And guys, I, I apologize for the last couple of episodes I've had. It sounded very hollow, and I've been working on trying to get a few things started in fixing that issue and talked to a couple of friends of mine that work in radio because I used to work in radio a long time ago and a couple of my friends now that work in radio and kind of come up with a plan of how to make all this sound better because I don't want to sound terrible in your car on the way to work or in your earbuds while you're working out or whatever wherever you're listening to the autocorrect page. So with that being said ASC testing, yeah, ASC testing is rough, but I think it's worth it. And I did do an episode a couple of episodes back about ASC testing and what it means to me. But okay, so talking this episode, episode five, we're going to talk about a couple of things. Uh, we just talked about ASC testing, of course. And if you have any questions, just hit up my Facebook page on that, Car Smarts with Mr. B. We're also going to talk about hybrid buying tips since we're doing the, the L3 testing um, with the hybrids. I've got hybrid on the brain. I can (laughs) pretty much tell y'all all all about the different types of hybrids. So we're going to discuss hybrids and buying a used or a new hybrid where you should do what what strategy you should pick out, things you should look for. Also, we're going to talk about once you get that new car, if it's used, if it has some issues, if you have issues with the car that you have now, how do you pick a technician? How do you pick a a shop to work on your car and some signs to look for that are good and bad. So 
it is very important nowadays with the complexity of these vehicles for you to pick a good technician. And there are a lot of bad ones out there. However, there are a lot of good technicians out there as well. And you really need to find somebody that you can trust. And you can trust your car. It's the second largest investment normally that we make. So you need to find somebody that can take care of that investment and save you money in the long run on maintenance and car repairs. So we're going to discuss that as well. But hope everyone had a good Christmas. Hope everybody had a good New Year's and you got some good toys and goodies. Leave me a comment on my Facebook page. Let me know what you got for Christmas. Uh, you've got any tools, if you got a car or anything like that, let me know what you got. I'd like to know. All right, so let's talk about hybrid buying tips or electric car, you know, plug-in hybrids or plug-in vehicles, whether it's a Tesla, a Prius, you know, Honda, IMA car, anything like that. So these used to be the pariahs of automotive industries. So nobody wanted to buy them, nobody wanted to sell them, and definitely nobody wanted to work on them. So it created some challenges when these vehicles first came out. They were very niche vehicles. Matter of fact, if you go on YouTube, you can look at uh, Who Killed the Electric Car is a it is a documentary it's a movie they put out there and i think you can watch it on youtube for free with commercials or something like that and it's something i show my students uh every cycle it's who killed the electric car it's about the the gm ev1 that came out and it's sudden and kind of controversial demise in the 90s and it's it's a pretty cool commercial and it's something that i'm not commercial excuse me a movie and it's something that i recommend to anybody that's that's wanting to get into the hybrid or plug-in hybrid or plug-in electric car uh, game you really need to watch this movie and uh, i was turned on it to by a guy named uh, carl von bottenberg who runs a hybrid repair company out of uh connecticut new hampshire somewhere up north and he came down and did a training for us a very expensive training where the other instructor and I went and we uh, had a really good two-day training on hybrid vehicles. And he gave us a flash drive full of resources, and I've been picking on those resources ever since. Really good stuff. His company's called ACDC. If you look up ACDC Hybrid, uh, I think it's wefixhybrids.com. If, you if you're a technician looking for training aids or training, anything like that, online training, in-person training, he is the guy to go to, Carl von Battenberg. He is the man. So, But hybrids are now very mainstream. I think we have 22 different models imported in the United States now that have a some type of hybrid power plant. And of course, you know, the first one that came out, Honda Insight, the Toyota Prius, those were the first that kind of hit the shores. And it took a lot of other car manufacturers to get on board with the hybrid power plant strategy. And now it's starting to catch on. You know, Hyundai has a hybrid Kia. Everybody has a hybrid Ford, the, the C-Max. Even now the Mustang now, they have a Mustang electric car, Audi e-tron. There's, you know, all kinds of the ID4, uh, Volkswagen, the BMW with their iX. They're coming out now that's all electric cars. So these are becoming much more popular than, than normal, you know. Prius used to be a joke. In other words, you know, if you drove a Prius, you know, there was, you know, you were weak, you were a nerd, you know, only engineers drove Priuses or librarians or whatever, you know, the eco tree hugger, hippie, smells like patchouli type Prius jokes and all that. Uh, now, you know, you see anybody, anybody has a Prius and or, you know, a Honda with an IMA or, you know, a Lexus hybrid or whatever hybrids out there. Uh, they're very common. And 
Um, so this has created the more new cars that put out, the more used hybrids come into uh, play. And then you have the plug-in cars, you know, the Volt uh, with a V or the Bolt with a B, GM. You have the BMW i3, the i8, the Nissan Leaf, a couple other plug-in cars. Mitsubishi has one. There's a bunch of them. So the good thing about the plug-in vehicles that uh, you know can can move without the internal combustion engine or the ICE, the ICE, is they really depreciate very quickly. So if you're looking for value, then you know Chevy Volt loses 60% of its value the first year. So 60% of the value goes right out the window. And so that makes a one-year-old Volt very affordable comparative to a zero-year-old. As a matter of fact, they're not even making the Volt anymore after this. They're, they're doing away with the Volt, and they're going to a couple different strategies that they're using, which Volt is a series uh, hybrid itself. It has, a, it has a motor that turns a generator that powers an electric power plant. So it's a little bit different. It's kind of like the uh, BMW i8, and it's not like most Priuses. Pretty much the, the gold standard is the series parallel Prius-style hybrid. So the Prius is the one they make the most of. They sell more Priuses by a number of about 10 than they have the new Supra that they've came out with. So Prius is the king, and I feel like Prius is going to be the king for a while. And then you have the plug-in. The plug-in cars, you know, of course, Tesla is the king of that. However, we're not seeing the depreciation, the first-year depreciation out of a Tesla that we would, like out of a Chevy Volt or a BMW i8 has a whole lot of your depreciation. So big deal with buying a used one is the miles and the time uh, that, that the Prius has been around. So normally, or any other hybrid, normally the hybrids that you get are going to be higher miles. The reason why is most of the people that own Priuses or hybrids will drive a longer distance and therefore paying a premium for a car that does that well and efficiently makes sense to them. So you're not going to find somebody that lives two miles away from work normally and only drives to work driving a Prius. You're not going to find a three-year-old Prius with 6,000 miles on it, okay? Normally, you're going to find a three-year Prius with 100,000 miles on it. Somebody that, that you know drives 50, 60 miles to work or travels for business or something like that. So that makes sense to them that, that hey, if I got a car that got 50, 60 miles to the gallon, then maybe a gallon of gas gets me to work, a gallon gets me back. So not a gallon gets me to work, you know, 50 times. I have to fill up my car twice a year type thing. However, there are people that do have that. So I'm not going to say that's, you know, impossibility, but it is pretty rare to have a hybrid car that does not have high miles on it with its two or three years old. So, and unless you find somebody that just doesn't like it or got it from, you know, someone else, like, you know, a relative or something that passed away and left them a car and they're just selling it. So you really need to take these cars and make sure that they are inspected by somebody who knows what they're doing. Okay. There's a lot of technicians out there that have no idea how a Prius works. Okay. And that was me probably 10 years ago. Had no idea how, how hybrids work, and I didn't care. I didn't want to know. Keep those things away from me. They can kill you. They're gross. They're 0 to 60 in 20 seconds. I don't want anything to do with them. However, they're the way of the future, so 
However, you put it, matter of fact, I actually owned a Prius for a couple of, of weeks and ended up selling it. Just not my thing. So with the hybrids, they are, they can be scary. They can, they are, of course, definitely completely different to work on. However, they're not impossible to work on. They're not impossible for the independent shops to work on. They just have to have technicians that want to work on them. And that's hard to find. The value in a lot of these cars, especially the plug-in cars, revolved a lot around tax credits that don't exist anymore. So if I had a, if I bought a Chevy Volt and it was $60,000 and I had a $30,000 tax credit to buy a car, electric car, then my Chevy Volt cost $30,000. So the depreciation was automatically $30,000 before you drove it off the lot and then probably an extra 25%. So, you know, you can have a car with an MSRP of $60,000 one year and the next year it can be 25,000. So, you know, the the tax credit being gone now. Now, I think with the Biden administration coming in, I think we're going to see some type of tax credit being reapplied either to hybrids or plug-in hybrids or plug-in cars altogether. I think we're going to see something, you know, some type of Green New Deal, probably going to be more watered down than what we're hearing, but we're going to see some type of Green New Deal start, and I think that's going to have to involve electrics and hybrid vehicles. However, that's only going to involve the new cars, okay? So brand new, off-the-lot, never-titled vehicles will get those type of tax breaks and so on and so forth. So, I would say if you're looking for a new hybrid or new plug-in, anything with an electric motor on it, I would say wait six months before you buy anything. That's just Mr. B talking. You can do what you want to do. If you're planning on keeping this car for the next 15 years, then it doesn't matter what you do. Six months doesn't make really much of a difference. But if you are someone that's leasing a car or trades out of a car every five years or so, yeah, you need to wait six months. And I would honestly, right now, to be honest, I'd wait six months before I bought anything and let this economy stiffen out and let the rebates stack up and, you know, just kind of see what everything's going. There might be, you know, another stimulus come around, something like that. So as far as for big purchases and things like that, it's really uncertain. And I think we're going to see, you know, one of the economy indicators that we have is what we call a purchase of durable goods. And durable goods are a lot of different things. Cars are one of the things, but it could be aircraft, could be machinery, it could be, I don't know, forklifts, whatever. Just something that you don't normally buy once a year. It's something that you buy maybe every five to 10 years. And when the economy is booming, you'll see much more durable good purchases because companies are looking to invest in certain things. And you also see consumers starting to buy more cars, more trucks, I mean, boats, planes, things like that. More millionaires buy more planes, things like that. So when the economy progresses up, you're going to see more of that happen. And we're starting to see a little bit of a decline in durable goods with the past six months or so, just because of the uncertainty, the political stuff, you got the COVID stuff coming out and things like that. So when the durable goods sales go down, normally you're going to start seeing tax breaks increasing for the people that make the durable goods, and you'll see rebates being passed down to the consumer. That's pretty much how the capitalist model that we're going off of works. So you may want to wait six months or so if you're looking at a car purchase. Now, if you got to buy a car, buy a car, but if you can wait, if it's something that you're just kind of kicking around, then, you know, maybe just give it about a few months and see. Now, you can still go test drive. You can still go, you know, make your mind up, 
still read reviews, but let's just see what happens here. So, but with hybrid cars, the condition is very important. So any check engine light that's on, any battery light that's on, any light, any diagnostic, anything crazy like that can be very, very expensive to fix on these vehicles. Now, however, we have seen these hybrid batteries last a lot longer than we first thought. We were expecting hybrid batteries when they first started to last 100,000 miles or so. So we're now seeing these batteries last a lot longer. And also the aftermarket industry has come in and we figured out how to repair these batteries. So now a bad battery in a hybrid is not so much a big deal like it used to be. So when we had the hybrids, the battery died. Okay, battery was $6,000. Only dealership sold batteries. We took the car and we paid six grand and we got a new battery. Now we have companies like uh, one of the most popular ones is called Green Bean. So if you go to greenbean.com, I think they have a they'll they'll come out and change your hybrid battery in your driveway and give you a warranty on it. And it's about I think for your average like Gen 2 Priuses, which we're seeing a lot of battery failures and your Honda IMA cars, I think it's about $1000 and they'll come out to your door, 1000 to 1500 dollars depending on what kind of battery you got. Change your battery out. Okay, so yeah, Green Bean is one I would look into. Also, we are able to repair these battery packs. That's all that Green Bean does. They just repair the battery packs and they keep going. So when they give a warranty on it, if you have a problem, they'll come out and put you another battery in there. So not a big deal. It takes, you know, about an hour, hour and a half maybe to replace these batteries. They come right out of the back. They are kind of a heavy battery. But outside of that, they there's really nothing too big to do. So one thing about the hybrids are the brake systems last a very long time because they use the regenerative braking. So normally if you even got a hybrid that has half of the brakes left at 50 or 60,000 miles, that's probably the original brake pads. And so that's pretty cool. Less wear and tear on the brakes, less wear and tear on your tires. So normally the tires last a little bit longer, but some of them have special tires and they'll have low resistance tires or eco tires. So they will have less rolling resistance on the tires than say a standard tire. So those are of course more expensive than regular tires. Uh, just So just be, be aware of that. But for the most part, you know, everything else is pretty much just like a normal car. They're gonna have a normal engine. The transmission's gonna be a little different. The interior is going to be a little different, of course, but always, you know, if you can get service records and things like that, that's going to help. If you can get, you know, if it has a Carfax on it. So just like any other vehicle purchase is, is a Prius outside of the, the battery, the inverter, things like that is going to be the same. So uh, I, I would have no qualms with buying a, a hybrid that had 200,000 miles on it because normally... You got to think too, normally the people that drive Priuses and hybrids and IMAs and stuff like that are going to be people that take care of their stuff, upload mobile folks, things like that. So normally they have, you know, dealership service records and things like that. And nobody is going to let some shade tree mechanic work on their Prius and shade tree mechanics don't want to work on a Prius. So uh, it's a win-win for everybody involved. Okay, so... Hybrid cars. If you got a hybrid car, you know, hit me up on Facebook, Car Smarts from Mr. B. 
let me know your largest repair. You know, have you had to invert a repair? Have you had, you know, one of the, the, the motor generators go bad or IMA unit go bad or anything like that? Let me know how your hybrid is treating you. Okay, let's move on to the next topic because I have security about to run me out of my building. So I need to hurry up and finish up this recording. So let's talk about picking the right technician. Okay. And that is kind of a, when I say the word technician, that's kind of a loaded term because there are mechanics, there are parts changers, and there are technicians. So you want the technician. The technician is a person that knows what they're doing and can diagnose the vehicle properly. So it's very difficult to tell who is a good technician anymore. And the reason why is, for one, I've seen very good techs that I know, people that I just think the world of, that I've not only, I may have either trained them or trained with them, or they trained me. And I've seen them get really bad reviews on Yelp and Google reviews and Facebook, you know, put on blasts and stuff like that. And sometimes the customer is not right. You know, so they say the customer's always right, but that's not always true. So what you want to look for is more than just the labor rate. Okay. So we get paid per hour. So labor rates per hour. And then the parts, of course, are whatever parts cost. But for the most part, your labor rate is going to be anywhere from 90 to $150 an hour. And just because somebody charges $150 an hour does not mean they can do a good job. Okay. That's just because that's what they charge. Maybe they have a higher overhead than someone else that doesn't charge that much. So you, you can lean on certifications if they have a sign that says their technicians are ASC certified. And you can, as a customer, ASC, if you advertise that you have ASC certified technicians, you can ask for their credentials. Hey, I want to see your Master Tech's ASC certificate. You can see that, okay? Uh, now, they can tell you no, <laughs> but technically... To be an ASE partner, you, you can be allowed to see that. But for the most part, you can tell just like you if, if you wouldn't shop somewhere that was dirty and nasty and, you know, had a bunch of, you know, cars on blocks out front. Although I've seen people get really good work done out of those shops too. But if you've got a newer car, you want to kind of match the car to the place. If you've got a old 84, you know, Chevrolet truck or something like that, yeah, maybe the guy that's working out of his backyard might do you some good. However, I've seen on Facebook, and you go to these trade groups and these yard sale groups and stuff like that, and you always see, do not let you know Scooter McGee work on your car. He ripped me off bad. He took $500 from me. I haven't seen him since. Okay, first of all, any self-respecting technician isn't going to you know, take your parts money up front unless it's in the thousands of dollars. Okay. If you've got, if you've got a restoration, say I've got, I don't know, a Chevelle or something, and I'm looking down the barrel at a $50,000 restoration, then yeah, I expect to have to put some parts money up front. But if you're trying to get your brakes done, okay, you shouldn't have to pay, you know, half of a, of a hundred dollar job to get it done. Okay. Also, if you're hiring these, these folks, off of Facebook that don't have a shop, they don't have insurance, they're not licensed, they're, you know, don't have a uniform on, things like that, you're asking for trouble, okay? Plain and simple. Yeah, the guy might change your brakes for 50 bucks, but brakes are fairly important on a car. I think we can all agree. And I might want to find somebody that, you know, if they screw up my brakes, 
I might be able to get some type of compensation out of. Okay, so your larger shops, of course, are not always as good as your smaller shops. And it really helps to have a relationship with your shop manager or technician or service writer there. So, and I can tell you as a technician and a service writer and a former manager and things like that, if you come to a shop and you bear gifts, <laughs> that is a good thing. So a couple of sausage biscuits or a dozen donuts or, you know, we used to get, you know, our customers to come out and bring us liquor for Christmas. And boy, we took care. I'm not saying that we didn't take care of the other customers, but we took super good care of those folks. So just keep that in mind, you know, that the, the, the Christmas present or, hey, you know, if your technician did a really good job on the car and, you know, under promise, over delivered, you may want to, you know, hey, I, I got you this candy bar. I got you this coat. Let me buy you a coat for doing a good job for my car. So I don't know. Uh, it's just something that always kind of meant a lot to me as a technician because we work on, you know, we work on possibility. You, you can work on 30, 40 cars a week. And those customers, they just blur together. Those, car, If you work at a dealership, you might work on a, a green Toyota Camry six times in a week because they make those cars in like six different colors. So you're going to see a lot of the same color and all that blends in. But the, te the I still remember I had a customer bring me a Wii, a Nintendo Wii one time just because she had one, wasn't using it. And she asked if I had kids and she brought me a Wii. And I promise you, Every time she came in, her car was top shape, washed, cleaned, waxed, you know, not a not a greasy fingerprint, not anything in the carpet. Now, I still, you know, of course, provided that standard for everybody, but she was just a little bit special to me as a technician and as a service writer. I worked on her car as a tech and as a service writer. So uh, she got the hookup if anybody ever did. Your relationship with your technician is very important. Also, know when to walk away, Okay. If you have taken your car to a couple of places or, or the same place a couple of times, uh, rather, and they have messed up your car every time, or they have told you, yeah, your car will be ready on 5 o'clock Tuesday, but they it was 5 o'clock Tuesday, three Tuesdays from now, <laughs> then then you may want to find you an, another shop to go to. You know, shop around. Also get estimates. You would be surprised at some of the estimates that I've seen as a dealer technician that your little ma and pa shop might be higher than the dealership, you know? And I always recommend going to a dealership, especially if you have a good dealership in town and their labor rate isn't too crazy, you know, go ahead and spend a little bit of extra money and get some factory work done. Also, you have a whole support segment outside of that that you can call the manufacturer complaint line and make a complaint if you're not satisfied. So it's very dependent on what type of car you have. If you have an old used car, something like that, where, you know, you may want to go to Firestone or one of these fleet shops and get it worked on. But if you've got a newer car just outside of warranty or something, less than four years old, and it's a complicated car, Mercedes, one of these hybrids like I'm talking about, uh, a car with all these bells and wheels and, and stuff like that, a lot of electronics, then yeah, you may want to go to a dealership and get that car fixed because it's it's going to cost you less money in the long run. So independent shops, really good for you know doing brakes, tires, things like that. And there are some really good independent shops as well. It just takes you, it's just like getting a haircut or any other service industry. You know, you, you've got, I know we've all had a bad haircut. 
and we probably don't go back to that barber or we may ask for a different stylist when we go in or you know just like a house contractor i know some some people that can that, that can tile a, a a sphere room and i know some people that would screw up paint in the front door too so check on the reviews you know if you've got a ton of bad reviews and they seem to be making sense some people are going to give you a bad review no matter what and you're you're always going to hear the the complaints you're never going to hear the customer that had a fantastic visit because most people take time to complain and not to praise okay just like, and I, I tell all my technicians I train, you're going to see the worst. If you work at a Ford dealership, you're probably not going to like Fords because you're going to see the worst that Ford has to offer because it's going to end up right there in your bay. You're not going to see the F-150 that's got 400,000 miles on it and no issues because it doesn't show up to the dealership. You're always going to see the cars that are falling apart. So uh, you just got to be very careful when you're picking your technician because, again, your car is your second largest investment. And it's something that needs to last. And it's something that can be screwed up easily. It can be messed up. So always find somebody that you can trust that will take care of your car. So let me know on my Facebook page, uh, Car Smarts with Mr. B. Did you have to fire your technician? Or have you found a technician that you're just in love with and you you know bring them baked goods every time that you come in and get your car fixed? Or you know did you just have a very bad experience somewhere and just want to just want to tell me all about it i'm at car smarts with mr b on facebook and also on instagram also on twitter as well and as always on youtube under car smarts with mr b that's where all this started here we just crossed over a year the beginning of december so we are moving into our second year and very successful getting more and more success matter of fact the 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 page is growing by about uh, 25 to 30% a month, which is fantastic. So I'm looking forward to this next year and making all this much bigger and easier to manage and easier for you guys to take advantage of. So that's all I got for us today. Again, please share this podcast with your friends and let me know what you think again on the Facebook page. That's the best way to contact me. And let me know what you think about the, uh, the the new podcast. This is episode five, and I'm going to probably record episode six next week. And I'll let y'all know how the L3 certification went uh, that I'm taking tomorrow. And so I hope, again, everybody had a good year, and I hope we're going to have a better year this year. Last year was a little shaky, so I'm hoping that everybody in the, the, the car industry that had a bad year this year, I hope we make it a tenfold, and I hope you, as a consumer, get exactly what you want for your car. So I'm going to go ahead and sign out for AutoCorrect Mr. B and Car Smart Mr. B. We'll see you next time, and thank you for listening.